And we are back, AK-47 heads, with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner presented by Pioneer Arms Corps. And I know you guys have been anxiously waiting this uh, part eight of our 12-part series. And uh, joining me again, I mean, we have the privilege, the honor to have my esteemed additional host, none other than Ansel Robinson Schwell himself, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. I thought you were talking about somebody else that wasn't in the chat. My bad. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're kind of like the Sasquatch, the Yeti, you know, the Loch Ness Monster. You're hard to hard to get these days, man. You know, just, you know, chicken with his head cut off. So much going on behind the scenes and... I'm not really sure what I'm doing, and I don't think anybody else has any idea what I'm doing either. No, I, th- I think you probably got a pretty good idea, and uh, I think the pegs keeps you in line as well, right? She keeps you straight. Absolutely. Without her, I wouldn't be here. And we got, you know, another thing you're working on, March coming up. Uh, end of March, you got a big event uh, down there in your neck of the woods. I know you're yes, working sir. feverishly to to get that up and up and going and get it ready. Absolutely. This time of year is always hectic for me, especially following SHOT Show. Uh, Lucky enough, I did not have to make the trek out to Vegas, but our Big 3 East media event is scheduled for the 27th, 28th, and 29th of March, and it should be great. Uh, It's going to be awesome. And uh, there happens to be a little two-day course prior that I'm really looking forward to. A gentleman by the name of Mark Cribs, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be putting on a little armors course for us. Yes, sir. That is correct. I, You know what? It's funny that you say it because I just found out about that on Friday. Did you really? <laughs> yes, sir. I just found out about it on Friday. So uh, this should be very interesting and a, a great opportunity for those that are uh, attending the event. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And uh, I mean, you are lucky that you didn't have to go to SHOT Show. Uh, I'm just now on the tail end of the, the SHOT Show crud. <clears throat> and uh, you'll probably hear me clearing my voice and sniffling and Sniff- Doing all that crap, but uh, also uh, a survivor from Shot Show, joining us Join. again on the AK Corner. We've got our good buddy over at Occam Defense, Brian Keeney, ladies and gentlemen. Great, great to be here again, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you're you're always a, a welcome guest on this show. You've got the big brain, so we can always use the big brain. <laughs> Dropping <laughs> big knowledge bombs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is your third. Is this your third appearance? Some, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you just passed up Jim. Well, uh, yeah, that not a guy I want to compete with. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Well, you know we're going to be having Jim back on again, and it was good seeing him. Got to meet him in person at Shot Show. They had their little um, their annual thing there. Was it open house? Is that what they call it? Yeah, that's kind of my favorite part of Shot. Um, it's all the AK guys and. Uh, in one parking lot at the RD shop there and there's street food and, but, uh, really good people. There's usually a raffle. Um, yeah, there's either comedy or this year, Jim did a lecture. Um, <laughs> he did a comedy his- lecture. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. He was kind of dressed up like Mr. Rogers. It was, it was pretty hilarious. You know, it's it's crazy. My first time going to SHOT Show back in 2012, I met Jim Fuller at his shop during one of those open houses as an Airsoft attendee, Airsoft. as media for Airsoft. And he had uh, <laughs> they had partnered up with a company called Echo One USA, and they had a Rifle Dynamics 
AK-47 in Airsoft, and that's how I met Jim for the first time. That's cool. So let me go ahead and introduce our other guest that we've got today. Uh, joining us, and this isn't his first time on the show, but this is the first time on the AK Corner. Uh, we have the owner and designer over at uh, Manticore Arms, Schwinn, and is it Johnson? Because I always got, I always asked you that. Uh, Johnson. It's Johnson. Logo, so. Yep. Because you're, because you're, because uh, you, uh, he's Italian. I was gonna yeah. say Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually half uh, half Swedish and Italian. mostly Welsh and English. So uh, I think one half of my family was raping and pillaging the other half. For <laughs> my, oh, we discuss if the family tree kind of merges back together in a few places. It's hard to say. <laughs> but uh, so welcome in Sven to the to the AK Corner presented by Pioneer Arms Corps. We appreciate you joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our topic this week is going to, or this episode is going to be accessories. You guys have been asking a lot about AK-47 and uh, type rifles accessories. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Talk about the different things that are available. Uh, our last episode was the 922R Compliance. And uh, we had our good buddy Andrew on from Century Arms and uh, CJ Johnson with Pioneer Arms Corps. And uh, we had talked kind of high level 922R Compliance. And as we're talking today... Uh, I got a feeling that there's probably going to be some of that that comes in that we probably will talk about as well because as people are accessorizing their AKs, that is something that they definitely need to keep in mind when they're doing that. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> You're, and it's okay to disagree with me, even though it's my show. You can disagree with me and, and correct me. <laughs> well, I did have a question in regard to that, but I'll wait till we get to that section and, and ask that question. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Uh, and then, of course, you guys hang tight, because at the end of the show, there's going to be what, Swell? We're going to be giving away more AKs. Yeah, baby. That's right. We're going to be giving away another AK-47 to one of you uh, lucky leadheads. we got a special way to pick the winner. We'll put it that way. Yeah, right. It should work out. It's so high-tech, I can't even explain <laughs> it's, it. It's crazy. <laughs> We got the physicist involved with coming up a, with another way to pick the winner. Uh, if you guys remember, Brian picked the winner, was it two episodes ago? Uh, by the next type of vehicle that passed your car? Is that- <laughs> I think that's what it was, yeah. It's yeah. pretty high tech, so. Very cool. All right, guys, so let's, uh, let's talk accessories. Uh, when accessorizing your AK-47, so... I've got a a compliant, a 922R compliant AK-47 sitting in my hands, and uh, let's let's just say it's a a Pioneer Arms Corps one, the Sporter, okay? And we talked about what they they change out. They change out the trigger group. Uh, what were the parts that they change out for that to make it 922R compliant, Schwell? The trigger group, the handguard. Um... I think the magazine was one. Magazine covered quite a few parts. Yeah, the trigger group was three parts. The magazine was three parts, so that takes care of six parts right there, right? Right. It was. Uh, you, you didn't tell me that there was a quiz. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, if I remember right, I was a listener, not a participant. I was. I was waiting for Brian to chime in. So yes, <laughs> he, uh, he he said they brought him into the country with like a a chunk of wood for the stock, like a like a two by four, basically. Right. Yep. I, I would bet that the stock that they put on is a U.S. made, but I am purely speculating there. Yeah, um, and that 
that actually goes to to I don't know if you want to just dive right into 922R. I think we should probably yeah, because there's some there's some lingering I think questions that people still had with the 922R, and you've got a you've got a good take on uh, maybe some of that to clear it yeah. up. Yeah, and I, I think also a a good point too is you know you had mentioned we're gonna we're talking about accessories here, but before you accessorize your rifle, you need to make sure it's 922R compliant. You know whether you want a traditional looking AK or really going high tech on it, you still need to make sure your parts count is there. And it's actually in some ways harder to make sure you have enough parts if you want to keep the more classic look. Right. hundred percent. Or another way to look at it is not enough parts, but that you don't have uh, more than the foreign amount of parts. And the thing is you can have up to 10 foreign parts. You don't have to have 10 foreign parts. You can have one foreign part if you want it, but that's that's kind of the way another way to look at it other than the the reverse way i think that confuses some people right because i think we were discussing this a little beforehand and and i don't know if we even it gets wonky because there's technically the 20 parts that can be defined and i think if i remember i I did a little research here while we were talking Mm -hmm. i think there's 16 parts are counted on a standard stamped receiver ak like the the Pioneer Sporter would fall under that, where it's got the sheet metal receiver, the front and rear trunnion blocks in it, and you go from there. If it's a milled receiver, the trunnion's part of that, so it doesn't count as a separate part, but that means you only have 15 parts on the list, which it's almost like a reverse of how you would think it. It's like golf scoring. You want lower, not higher. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, Brian, continue. Yeah, I think the... Uh the first thing that we all would probably like to say is that none of us are lawyers and none of us are at the ATF. So all of this is, uh, is, is speculative, right? And, um, if you really care, um, you need to get a, a determination letter from, from the ATF and they're, they're surprised if you can get them on the phone, they're surprisingly, um, responsive and they are pretty responsive by mail. Um, not that, I don't know. I'm not a fan and not, not a fan of the ATF. Just saying my personal <laughs> experience has been, has been pretty decent. Um, what, oh, good. Sorry, Brian. I think what Brian's trying to say is you can show this video in court. It's not going to hold up in court. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and we're not, we're not your lawyers and we're not lawyers in general. <laughs> that's right. None of us have a lot of degrees here as far as I'm aware. So yeah. as, as Marty was saying, it's the law and the, 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 the line that we're all talking about, which you can pretty easily find on Google, is, quote, no person shall assemble a semi-automatic rifle or any shotgun using more than 10 of the imported parts listed in paragraph C of this section. And it goes on for another little bit that's not important. So that's the math. If we're doing a, a math problem here, which is logic. And so you've got these 20 parts. Three of those parts are magazine components. I personally like any magazine to go into my gun. Like if I hand it to somebody on the range and it it is only compliant because I don't have a Polish magazine in it and then somebody puts a Polish magazine in it, does that make it a felony? I don't want to find out. So <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so <clears throat> I use three of my 10 parts right off the bat for magazines. And I think I got that from Jim Fuller in his class. Like, I don't know what your feeling is on that, Sven, but I, you know, foreign mags are great. Like I like running bake lights. I would 
tend to agree uh, both for legal, non-legal advice, legal reasons, and uh, personal reasons. You know, I mean, we you can get into the argument. Well, has anybody been prosecuted for nine twenty two R? Has you know is 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 there an ATF agent behind the bush at the firing line just waiting to count your parts? Probably not, but. Um, strictly speaking, in my ex- my personal experience, uh, stamp steel Euro mags, Bakelite mags are the best quality ones out there. I've, I've had no problems with those. Um, I haven't personally broken any of the polymer wonder mags that have been made, especially for the AK-47. That being said, the Euro- European ones for what you pay for them are by far, in my opinion, the best ones. That's what I run. That's what we run in-house because yep. I, I literally have one that has shrapnel damage and you can tell that somebody with a bloody hand was hanging on to it and <laughs> we, we still use it in the range. I mean, it was the coolest thing. I got in a big batch of magazines I bought. I was like, is that me or does that look like a rusty bl- handprint on there? Yep, that was probably blood. <laughs> so, um, so, so if you're going to use those three mags, that leaves you with seven parts and... You do not want, well, I'm not, I don't want to be controversial, but let's say we like foreign trunnions, foreign bolts, foreign bolt carriers. So now you're down to four parts that you can have. Um, the U.S. trigger groups we like. Um, and then now it starts to get murky because, um, well, barrels, there are mm. some nice foreign barrels out there. However, they count as one of your parts and you start to run out. So you start to have to pick whether you want a barrel or a laminated wood stock from overseas. And so this is more a question for builders. Um, yeah, we're get, we're diving off into the, to the builder category, but there are times when it's wise to swap out a gas piston for a U.S. made one. That's sort of the OG route. Um, but basically, you need to get on the ATF list, knowing what we've just said with your seven, you start with seven parts, then you take away three for your bolt carrier bolt. And not every part of the AK-47, it's only these specific parts that they count. So if you're trying to change a part that's not even on their list, like a site, I don't think sites are on here. I don't think the... the Yep. Guard retaining rings aren't on there. Front sight, rear sights aren't on there. Uh, Gas tubes are not on there. Right. So, so it's a bunch of stuff that's not. So you really do have to do the math problem. The, the way that I would recommend doing is by sticking it in Microsoft Excel or a Google Doc with a you know, Google Sheets and just running down the list of what you want and what you don't. That yeah. said, that being said, for somebody, for the 99% of listeners out there that are buying a firearm, as long as they're buying a U.S. made part, life is pretty good. It's like you can't you can't make the problem worse by adding on a U.S. made part. Yeah, and that's a good point. And again, it, it, think of it in reverse. Not you know the the you can have a max of up to ten foreign parts. You don't have to have ten, so you can you can subtract your foreign parts and be okay. Yep, that's right. So the only place where I could see, but you need to know which parts are foreign and which parts are. U.S. made with your gun when you start going to replacing things. Yep, and and a bunch of the U.S. parts are stamped U.S. Yeah. and so that makes it pretty easy. Um, so you hit on a good a good place for us to start with accessories, the magazines. 
So yeah. let's, I mean, there's a slew of different magazine manufacturers, uh, like you guys are saying, overseas and here in, in America. Um, the list that you were talking about, uh, the foreign ones again, hit that list again. Bakelites are getting real hard to find, but they're great. The steel mags are great. That's kind of, I'm trying to think of what else. Well, there's some plastics out there like circle tens and all those. Uh, there are some crappy, uh, foreign ones like, well, I don't, I don't like, I don't like talking about stuff that's bad. Why don't we just talk <laughs> about stuff you like? Well, yeah, uh, and that's and that's what we're doing. What do you like in the in the the magazine world? You, know, you said the bake lights. Where are they from? Uh, the ones I get are from Russia, and they're getting very hard to find. Um, the the plastic, like the Circle Tens, and um, let's see who else. So, like Circle Ten. Circle Ten is a foreign. Yeah, those are surplus Polish, I believe, or. Bulgarian. Some, okay. They're Polish, Bulgarian. Um, and then for us made, I mean, those are, those are getting to be, well, the steel Polish are really good. I don't know what your opinion is spent on steel. I don't use them a bunch cause they rust so easily. Like the training, I, I don't, I don't like steel, but a lot of people who I trust do. And so why don't you speak on what, what you like for steel? Um, I, I'm a, actually, I really like the, you know, there's a standard, what we call Euro pattern steel. Now the ribbing in the sides may, may differ. Typically what you see is there's a, a steel like flange or rib on the back. There's, you know, ribbing of some sort on the sides. And you can see that about 10 years ago, there was tons that came in surplus with all sorts of, you know, there was the Croatian ones that had the, like the French fleur de lis stamped into it, which were really collectible and whatnot. Um, feature wise, the ones I like a lot, um, and it's probably because I like AR bolt holds opens, um, is the Yugoslavian made mags. Uh, the follower in them has a flat face on it. So when you run out of ammo, it locks the bolt back. Now, granted, when you take the magazine out, the bolt will slam home. But yeah. what I found is, you know, maybe not for a first time shooter that they would recognize that. But for me, I like to bang, 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 ka-chunk, and you can feel it, you know, tactically in the gun that the bolts locked open and sure you pull it out and the bolt goes home. You got to recharge it when you put the new mag in. Um, but in my opinion, it, it makes up for one of the, you know, we could make an argument on the AK and, and ergonomics versus, you know, the, 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 um, the manual of arms is very, mm -hmm. very different. From what we're used to here as Americans who the ARs, typically yeah. know the AR platform, but, um, I like that feature. Um, I like the, and I don't have many of them, but the, the Chinese, what they call flat backs, which are most AK mags that are made of steel, they'll have that flange on the back. And I found if you're doing a lot of mag changes over the day, your thumb starts to get rubbed pretty raw from that sheet metal flange on the back that kind of sticks out a little sharp edge. And the, the Chinese flat back is basically just, they don't have that flange. They fold it over and weld it, butt weld it. So you've got a nice smooth back on it. I like that. Um, you know, I guess if I was to design an AK mag, I'd make those and put Yugo Yugoslavian bolt hold open followers in it. And bam, there you go. Well, um, you know, um, there, that's actually a good segue into the folks over at X tech tactical. They've got a, um, <clears throat> a plastic mag with a waffle pattern on it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, it has a bunch of metal parts that are important, like the feed lips and the forward and rearward lug. And uh, see, they, 
I was not familiar with that. I, what I was going to say next, because you mentioned bake lights too. Um, the one thing I, I think, you know, I can talk about little features, but the one thing I really like is if you're going to buy a mag, and if somebody asked me, Sven, I don't know what mag to buy. I've never bought AK mags. What's the one thing I should look for? You absolutely need a metal tab on that rear that sticks out. Right. And the reason I say that is, I mean, Brian, you do product design and I do too. You cannot make a plastic tab strong enough there that it can't get snapped off if somebody slams, you know, you're working yep. the gun really hard, you drop into the ground. I guarantee uh, it can be Wonder Polymer or whatever. You need that metal reinforcement because it's just was never designed to be a little plastic tab sticking out. That's the one weak point on the mag if it's all molded plastic. So, yeah, yeah, the X-Tech guys, yeah. one, one thing that you'll like is other than the, they do have the metal where you like it. And I did a drop test on them, six-foot drop test on all corners mm -hmm. with a fully loaded mag. It didn't eject any of the shells and um, or cartridges. Nice. Rather. And they do have a bolt hold up open option. And uh, they, in my mind, are, are a really nice mag. I've run them a bunch. How much do those run usually? I think... Ugh. Twenty six ninety five. There you go. <laughs> the power of the internet. Pricefinder.com. <laughs> I, uh, I should know that. We have them on our website with free shipping. Um, but yeah, I know what I pay for. The, the, what I pay for sticks in my mind. It's not a whole lot. There's not a lot of margin on those mags. They cost a lot to make. And uh, those guys are selling them pretty cheap. And, yeah, I got to say yeah, that's actually yeah. not a bad price. Um, you know, being in manufacturing, molds are not cheap. In Valium, once you make enough parts, they are. But overmolding that steel bits that you've got to make, that's not cheap either. So yeah. that's really yeah. impressive they can bring it in at that price. So, so let's, yep, let's yep. go to um, U.S.-made mags now. So, yeah, the X-Tech is a U.S.-made. Okay. Um, it's, it's my favorite of the U.S. variety. Um, I tend to agree with Sven. Would you also agree that you need a metal feed lip? um to keep it from bulging over time um i have not had enough experience with purely plastic or as i call it polymer magazines especially in the ak to to give an informed opinion on that my personal opinion based on my experience with some of the work i've done is that i would rather have a steel reinforced magazine um but that on the AK, there's enough meat where that polymer would be for the magazine lip since they're originally machined on the original one. You've got enough material there that I'm not, I won't go as far to say that polymer wouldn't work. I just, um, I like the reinforcement. Um, so I mean, is that, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> what about the Magpul yeah. mags? I mean, those are very popular magazines. What's your opinion on the Magpuls? I own a ton of Magpuls, and I've started buying X-Techs. Okay. I've not sold my Magpuls, but I buy X-Techs now. I think the best I can say is I have had some come with guns. Some of the AKs we have in-house for design work, I use European steel mags. Um, I'm not saying that they don't function in firefine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have enough experience to say that. I in my opinion, have seen enough to be convinced that you need a steel reinforced rear tab there. And yeah. the Magpuls just don't have that. It's nothing against their product design. They're just stuck in an envelope that was designed by the Russians in the late 50s before or the late 40s 
before polymer magazines existed. You know, um, if you could redesign the the AK a little bit, you could probably make one that worked perfectly serviceably. So now, what about the AK seventy four? Same same philosophy on those magazines. For me, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, my experience is they're a lot more fickle. Um, that everything that we just said about the forty-seven, but more so. Yeah. Okay. I'm spoiled because about 10, 12 years ago, the AK seventy-four mags, the bake lights uh, with the steel reinforcement, they came into the country and they were being sold as low as three dollars a piece, and I bought about. 30 mags back then for my AK-74 and have never, I probably could sell that and retire. (laughs) They're like, I think they're like what? 50 bucks a piece now. Absolutely. At Um, a minimum, at at a minimum, at a minimum. Um, Now are you guys familiar with those, um, the drums that, uh, that they have for the AKs now? Like pro mag has one. uh, KCI (laughs) I think has one. Um, uh, there, there's also that, surplus uh, yeah. drum magazines out there as the, well. Uh, the surplus Romanian ones, you got to load a single round in the top every time. And I just picked up one of those Chinese-made ones that's got the cover that opens on the back, and it's actually clear plastic. Um, I mostly got it because it was really, really inexpensive. <clears throat> and okay. you know, I haven't heard anything bad about it. It, you know, the mounting is all steel, so I'm not worried about that. But it wouldn't surprise me if the thing just blew apart and rounds came flying out of it at some point either. I mean, I don't have any, you know, it literally, unfortunately, here in the shop, and I don't know if it's the same for Brian, I buy things with the intent to look at how they work. And then sometimes they get used and sometimes they sit on the shelf for a while until sure. I get sure. to play with it. So so some other companies that make magazines, uh, like I said, I mentioned ProMag Tapco makes uh, magazines. Uh, of course, we said Magpul. Uh, SMG Tactical, I'm not familiar with them, but they make uh, AK magazines, uh, KCI, Arsenal. Um, I will say the Arsenal ones, that's uh, Arsenal of Bulgaria. It's also known as Circle 10 magazines. Okay. Um, I have a, what is an SLR 106. It's their 5.56 caliber AK, and they they make good um the black plastic magazines they make have the steel reinforcement. They're not cheap mags. They're like 30, 40 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. I've had great experience. They also make some that are uh, actually like a translucent polymer. It almost looks like a Steyr Aug magazine, the same kind of amber color. Right. Um, those over time, I've heard that if you have them in the sun a lot, that the polymer can get a little brittle and get some hairline cracking in it. But I've never had that happen. But then again, Mine sit in a box on the shelf up there <laughs> somewhere. So, um, but yeah, you know, the, 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 I hate, it's one of the weird things where usually it's uh, the U S market kind of takes the lead on a lot of products on being progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just the Soviets designed such a bomb proof magazine off the bat for the AK you know, really a lot goes into that. It's the, the feed lips are machined steel. It's not like an AR mag where it's all one complexly stamped piece of metal. Right. They really looked at what's the, the important part and what's the weak point and they put the money into it. And I think until the surplus dries up, there's just not a lot of margin for people to make magazines of that quality for that, you know, the price you can get them for. Yeah. Well, especially when you got like 
uh, Magpul cranking out those polymer mm-hmm. ones. So, all right. So I think that does it for the magazines, and that's not really an accessory. I mean, you got to have a magazine for your gun, but still, there's a lot of different varieties, and that's something that I wanted to to hit on and get uh, get your guys' opinion on a good magazine for our listeners. Let's talk. Let's talk about. Um, you want to go stocks or handguards next, guys? Don't everybody chime in at once. You, either or. It's all furniture, right? It's all kind of the same wheelhouse. Yeah, so. let's go. Let's go with a stock. Let's go with stocks. Uh, there's all kinds of variety of stocks out there. You've got your fixed stocks. You got your folding stocks. You got your collapsible stocks. You got skeleton stocks. I mean, there's just like your ARs. You got a variety of AK stocks as well. And with those adapters we, now, I mean, you can even put AR stocks on your your AK. You know? Yep. And would you? I want know a to? guy who makes those. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Um, Since you bring okay. it up, self promoting, right? That's well, that's that's, that's, that's kind of <laughs> why we got you on the show because you. So I mean, you do have product, accessories. Uh, Manicore Arms. We make a product called the F three Stock Adapter, and um, basically what it is. The Bulgarian guns and some Russian guns, but mainly the Bulgarians, um, some of them have a, a, a left side folding stock. So it folds around and onto the left side of the gun. Um, but it's it looks like a traditional AK stock, except for the special mounting bracket and hinge pin that allows that to happen. Um, and some time ago, we had some requests um, to make some way to put an AK or I'm sorry, an M4 carbine stock slider stock on an AK side fold it to the left and make it flush, which in retrospect was probably the most absurd request we've gotten in a long time for a product. But we said, okay, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Challenge accepted. Uh, challenging would be the, the word for it. So the <laughs> idea was it was to make it, you know, shorter for storage or whatever. And, and we did ultimately make that, um, it folds upward at an angle a bit and extends a little farther than a normal AK stock. So if you're a gargantuan dude, this actually works great. Like Brian. But the reason, yes. Uh, the reason it extends farther is to clear if there's a side rail on the gun or whatever. We've got a cutout in the side of the tube, and the tube can be used to hold a cleaning kit or cleaning rods or whatever you want in there. And spare earplugs, you know, whatever, your bag of M&Ms, whatever makes you happy. So, snatical tactical. Yep. Oh, yeah. I must say, just having seen it for the first time here, it is really clean. Um, I would be very hard pressed to think of a way you could break that thing, as far as I could tell. <laughs> um, which I can't say for a lot of, I mean, that's kind of the first thing that goes through my head on an AK is could I beat somebody to death with it? Yep. And, um, emphatically, yes, with. Uh, with Sven's solution there. And it <laughs> well, doesn't have you. a bunch of little fiddly things. Like if you're looking for a, a one-piece solution that's nicer than a triangle side folder to replace on either the the new polymer side folders or the triangle there, which beats a lot of people up, this thing looks really slick. Um, maybe if your cheek weld isn't so nice on the triangle, um, I'm definitely getting one after we get off the call here. Nice. Cool. We could probably scrounge one up for you in the back. So, <laughs> uh, fun. With, with that, uh, with that wonderful review, <laughs> I could ask more. <laughs> so yeah, that one was actually a tricky to machine and not to get off into the weeds. But that's actually it's a monolithic piece of aluminum. So we machine that from a billet, and uh, it gets complicated because the the rear of the left folding guns for anybody who's not familiar. 
it, it's not like most rifle stocks where when it folds, it just rotates around and it, it's, it's exactly in line with the gun. The Russians put a weird angle on it. So it, it sticks out, you know, horizontal with the rest of the gun, but when it folds, it actually folds up at an angle to help clear the magazine so that you still have access to the controls on the gun very well. And man, that sucked for the math to make that work. It, it, that took about three or four passes to get everything height-wise and everything working. It was not... I don't I don't like to talk about the product because I, I look at it and I go, damn, <laughs> what were we thinking? So... But it works. Well, no, so. I, I'm very impressed. I, like I said, I can't wait to play with it and maybe offer it here. Coming from the guy who said, let's just delete the rear sight based on the AK. I'll take that as a compliment. So. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, Shwell and I were talking a little bit off air. And uh, the AK pistol, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's very popular. Uh, and Pioneer Arms Corps has one. It's called the, the Hell Pup. And... Uh, the way it comes is, you know, it's, it's just in the pistol configuration. So uh, people who want to add those braces um, on those, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about doing for people who have the pistols? There's, there's adapters that they can put on these, right? Right. There's actually, I know a little bit about this because we work a lot with SB Tactical on products and all that. We didn't work on that one. Um, actually, the AK pistols, there's kind of, two directions you can go and one's a non-permanent modification and one's a, I guess you call a semi-permanent modification involves some machining. Mm -hmm. The first one is uh, SB tactical. And I think there's some other companies out there too, but basically what they make is a, a tube that comes off the back that holds their arm brace or whatever you're putting on it. Um, And then it's got a plate that goes kind of sandwiches between the pistol grip and the underside of the receiver and that's the mounting point, and it slides up against the the butt of the gun, and then you just tighten the pistol grip screw down really, really, really tight, and mm-hmm. that holds it in place. And the nice thing about that is it's very easy to put on. It's very easy to take off. If you own a screwdriver, which if you don't own a screwdriver, I will argue that even Mikhail Klishnikov might not you want using his gun. <laughs> right. um, but you can. that's all it takes to mount it. Um, the other option is kind of the industry standard is a pair of 1032 threaded holes you can put in the back and then you can bolt on kinges we make a triangle stock that that'll bolt onto that um ace rifle stocks is probably the best known for that where they make their their kind of fal or fnc style stock there's a there's a plethora of arm braces and stocks and things that can do that or adapters that use that standard pattern of the two 1032 threaded holes spaced apart I don't remember the spacing. It's like five eighths of an inch. Yeah. Right, but that, uh, what what Sven is talking about right now is what uh, Pioneer is bringing to the market in two th- two thousand nineteen already installed oh, okay. in those rear trunnions. They're actually putting those those holes in the the rear trunnion, so you don't uh-huh. have to do any machining. You can well, buy the adapter from from Sven and throw it on, and you're good to go. I I like the sound of that. That makes me happy. So. But for those who don't have the holes already, the option is either drill or do that pistol grip kind of kind of thing, right? Or, or I guess you could replace your rear trunnion. You could, uh, you know, and I guess I should say there's there's least difficult to most difficult if you have the tools and the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you have the tools and the knowledge and you're, you're or or you're a brave person who doesn't have the, the knowledge but has some of the tools uh you can grind off the rivet heads you could pull the rear trunnion you know you could mount a new rear trunnion that has a tang on it or whatever you want to do you know the nice thing about the ak is if you have some basic uh machining or i'd say even blacksmithing skills if you know how to pound a rivet and you know how to use a drill press you're about where to being able to build the gun i know there's some specialized tooling but and maybe i'm right. oversimplifying right. it but, well but you then know. you also have you know we have a, a country full of of gunsmiths as well so you know contact yeah. your local gunsmith give them your business and they can take care of that for you as well and that's a good point there's a lot of ak uh, ak smiths out there that can place a rear trunnion you know it depends on where you want to go with the gun it's it's all doable. It's just cheap yeah. metal yeah. And, and metal and plastic and wood. So, and then and then you get into basically unlimited types of stocks that are out there um, for your yep. for your AK. Now let's talk AK forty seven specific stocks that are out there and available. Let's not get into where you can do the AR stocks with these adapters and blah blah. If we're just talking, you know, keeping it keeping it AK. What, what's yeah, your, what's your, your standard AKM rear trunding? You mean with the little tang coming off as meant for the laminated wood stock? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the the one that comes right to mind is there's two from Magpul. One of them's folding. Um, Kalashnikov cried in his grave when he saw the way they <laughs> fold. it folds to the right for complicated reasons. And I love Magpul, but for the love of Jesus, they folded it and covered the fire control group. I still use one. Um, they do occasionally break. Well, was that um, because of the the side mount for the optics when you fold it over to yes, that side? That, that's, that's the reason, and I do yeah, yeah. consider that a valid engineering reason to have committed such a sin. But but uh, <laughs> you can get into the there's a really yeah I mean it, it really gets into I think design theory about right side folding versus left side folding, and the I think the the quick and dirty answer since we. Um, want to move on to just to talk about, you know, standard trunnion stocks. Um, the idea behind left side folding was what the Russians did because they thought, well, our optics, if you have an optics rail on there built into the side of the gun, their optics have a quick release lever. They're supposed to return to zero. So the idea is if you're a soldier, you pop your optic off, you put it in your optics bag, you fold the stock to the side, you now jump in your helicopter and go fly around or, jump into your APC and, you know, whatever you get back out, you unfold the stock, you put your optic on. The only idea was to fold the stock for transport. You know, mm -hmm. you're breaking it down at any other time. You're supposed to have your, you know, you would have your gun ready or <coughs> excuse me. And the idea was the controls are still accessible from the right side where your safety lever is and your charging handle is us. Americans look at it and go, well, why the heck would you want the stock pin between your body and the gun? Well, that's stupid, and it covers up my optics rail, so now I can't leave my optics mounted. Let's make it fold to the right. Well, you know, different theory, different application. It's if it folds to the right, now you can leave your optic on, and, you know, you can shoot the gun, and it's not wedged between you and the stock and whatever. But <coughs> you have this inconvenient thing called a safety lever on the right side and another inconvenient thing called a charging handle on the right side. So, um you basically, unless it's very clever design, kind of block all the operating controls of the gun. Yeah. So, 
And then again, so, you're with the same philosophy of use. You only use that when you're transporting it because at that point it becomes non-functional for you. Right. Yeah. So I still, you know, I, the Zhukov is that folding stock. It's, um, they do occasionally break, but I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody likes them. My personal, I, I do like them. Um, even though, like I said, I wish they folded left. Um, then there's the fixed. Um, Could you not put it on upside down? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody's going to try that now. Right. <laughs> Do not try this at home. The Magpul MOE stock. told me it would work. <laughs> <laughs> the MOE stock, yep. MOE stock is quite nice. Uh, it's moderately priced. I think it's 50 to 60 bucks. Um, it will not break. It has a cheek weld, which works for most people. They have cheek risers uh, for those who do need the adjustment. Um, It's relatively aesthetically pleasing. It's what we use on our production rifle. I'm a big fan of them. Um, I'm trying to think about who else is out there for standard, other than, you know, the the off-the-rack. Well, yeah, go ahead, Sven. I was just going to say, there really aren't a lot of other options unless it's a you know, a wood stock or a, a plastic or polymer stock that mm-hmm. basically follows the lines of the original um, Russian stock. And there's been some that have come or gone that maybe they have more storage in it. You know, you don't have to your little Chinese finger trap storage compartment in the back <laughs> like right. a lot of the Russian. Come on, everybody here who's owned an AK at least once has gotten their finger caught in there. So, <laughs> so uh, um but yeah, honestly, I think the the Magpul stuff is the only thing I can think of offhand that that really has that level of feature. The the other two I can think of, um, there's the Romanian wire stock, also known as a cheek beater, mm-hmm. um, which is really compact. I mean, it's really narrow. It's literally a piece of like quarter inch steel wire that's just been bent into a rather impressive shape and you know flattened out for a butt plate. Um, the other one is the Polish have their Burrell style stock, which is a little bit more refined version of that, which is kind of more like, looks a little bit more like the ACE stock. The one thing I found about that though, is it was designed for Polish soldiers wearing very bulky body armor. So the length of pull, I'm five foot six. And even I find the length of pull on that thing is too short. The butt plate is very tiny on it. Yeah. And, but I really like the, uh, I really like the ACE (laughs) stocks just just saying the double star yep. is that the one you're talking about yeah yeah double star ace <laughs> yeah. um they're all i think ace is owned by double star now they yeah. were bought out yeah. some years ago the other option is we'd already talked about kind of the the para 1032 threaded holes that the the ace uses um i think ace and then stormworks is another one that makes a lot of adapter blocks both companies make adapter blocks that allow you to um basically mount on that standard rear trunnion and then put your um, hinge or your, you know, your two screw mounted stock or hinge Mm -hmm. on that. And the neat thing about the Stormworks hinges and the ACE hinges is you can actually um, invert it. So it'll fold left or right. You can set the gun up to fold either way with the same hinge, which is kind of a cool feature. Uh, The only thing you get into is some people, me included, don't like the aesthetics of that big block where the trunnion is, it kind of looks like a, uh, a dingus hanging out the back of the gun. <laughs> a dingus? It ruins the lines. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to call What's it. What's a you know? dingus? Is he made, 
Not a dingus. Use your imagination. Something or a right. thing. <laughs> a designer thinks that it does not belong there. It's a dingus. It's a dingus. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. <laughs> we should also mention uh, Rifle Dynamics makes a pretty nice uh, buffer tube adapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And also, JMAC Customs makes a whole bunch of products in the in the pantheon of what we're talking about. Right. Both both yeah. four point five, five point five adapters that go to buffer tubes, um, and then they've also I I don't know if it's out yet, but they've got another rear trunnion to buffer tube adapter solution in the works there yeah. that looks yeah. Pretty- Just Justin over there does some nice work. He's actually I'm very impressed with a lot of the stuff he comes out with. And um, CNC Warrior, I think they. Are the ones there was Bone Steel Arms, which used to sell their own stuff, and then I think CNC sells it now, CNC Warrior, and they make a a couple of different side folder knuckles and stocks that allow you to mount direct to a trunnion without lopping that trunnion piece off. Which that yeah. that's the main issue with a lot of these designs is you got that piece of metal sticking out the back, which is good if you got a wood or a plastic stock on there to support it it's not so good if you're trying to make it compact folding stock so and you've got a a chinese stock at manicore arms right we do a chinese style american stock so so i like to joke that the chinese copy everything the americans made so i just turned around and copied their stock and make it in the usa (laughs) It's it's actually machined aluminum but it's it's kind of like our triangle stock or even the ace stock um it's a different look, a different style of stock that accomplishes the same thing. It bolts to that standard 1032 double screw pattern. Right. Um, but but it, that's another thing they're going to have to be cognizant of as they're changing parts. Is that the stock is one of those parts on the list. So um, Yes, and, and I think pretty much everything we've mentioned here has is, I guess, the Romanian wire folder and the Burrell side folder. Those right. are Polish and Romanian made, so they do not count as a part. American-made part. Everything else, I think that I've mentioned and Brian has mentioned. Um, now, did we American mention? Made. Did we mention the top folders that come over, that fold over the top? You mean the under folder? Uh, well, yeah, under folder, top folder. There's some that come it over the top if you're also. Down or not? Huh? Yeah. It depends if you're upside down or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. You can fold that underneath there. No, it, it goes under. Yes, it does. That right the there is going to cog block it. Flat, and then it folds under. Yeah, is that what it is? No. Yes. Okay, so under folders. I'll edit all that out. <laughs> I don't think we talked under folders. Right. Um, if you like cool looks and you hate ergonomics or you, <laughs> you don't care about ergonomics, under folders are for you. They and do not you, feel good to hate, shoot. Yeah, if you hate your face, yeah, uh, <laughs> folders are all. You totally. <laughs> they are not fun to shoot. I have an underfolder here. I have an. Uh, it has a a little adapter that fits in between the two arms that gives you somewhere to put your cheek. But even beyond that, my collarbone is destroyed every time I put anything more than fifty rounds through that gun. Oh, yep. okay, good point. I used to have an underfolder some years ago, and everybody we'd be talking about what are we going to take the range. Everybody like, oh, let's take the underfolder. It's so cool. And I'd be like, sure, man. You shoot your own ammo through it as much as you want. And they get about a mag through it, and they're like, that's no fun. <laughs> you know, one of the nice things about an underfolder, though, is it has a flat plate in the back that you can tap two 1032 holes in and put one of the stocks on it. And put a I'm good stock on it. <laughs> pop, you can pop that, that hinge piece out of there 
Um, and yeah, you'll have two little holes on the sides, but you can throw one of his stocks on and you'll actually enjoy shooting it. So or you can just leave the underfolder folded and then have stock conception on the gun. So you have multiple options, right? Okay, we've killed the underfolder. <laughs> so let's move on to handguards now. <laughs> and again, we've got a, I mean, just a wide variety of different kind of uh, four ends and handguards for the AK-47. Uh, which, mean, which is is great because oh, a little over a decade ago, it wasn't the case. No, this is awesome. No, I, right. and that's that's no. the great thing you know, with the AK forty seven is that there's more and more accessories that are coming out, and the innovation like companies like Occam Defense and like Manicor Arms, you know, are, in the, are developing these and being innovative so that uh, it, it appeals more to the American market. But at the same time, you guys are coming up with with useful items as well. It's not just to having to, right. you know, a, a cool thing to have a cool thing. Yep. The, um, I think what's neat is you definitely can see in the last 10 years, th- 10 years ago, there really wasn't AK accessories right. or there was, I, I know for a fact, cause we were the first company to start making aftermarket 24 <laughs> millimeter muzzle devices. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but there literally were, you know, like, two or three big companies making a few chintzy looking parts and, and a couple of little guys making one-offs. Um, but I know like our, our alpha handguard, we'll just start there. We make an aluminum handguard that's a drop in replacement has key mod on it. That's the other thing I'll, I'll say. And I, I don't know why this is the AK market. And I don't know if it's because it's, it's more traditional people who get into the AK, you know, like they like the look of the original gun and then they say, okay, I like it enough. I'm going to start upgrading it. But we found that the AK market is somewhat more conservative than the AR market. Um, and it's typically like five years behind. Yeah. You get more traditionalist, current. I think with the AK yeah. market still, you know, people that like to keep them traditional and you know, true form. Yeah, and, you know, and that's they feel um, like they're cheating if they, you know, they they start <laughs> making them look like, like an AR. Yeah. Well, what we've seen is like M-Lock's hot in the AR market now. We've tried M-Lock handguards for the AK, and they, in our experience, they did not sell well. But we, we still sell a ton of our key mod handguards for the AK, and it's it's almost like like, well, yet rifle is fine. I don't want to, you know, like I don't want. Kalishnikov coming into my bedroom at night to, to take me out. Um, M-Lock's hot, but Keymod's okay now because it's been out for a while, you know, now it's traditional or whatever. Um, we've seen that, that you know, I know um, you know, my experience, a very tough thing for designing parts for the guns is bridging that line between traditional and innovative parts you you want to you know our handguard looks like a traditional ak handguard but has the key mod on it so and speaking of of handguards the merc yeah that's our latest product other than the the rifle that we're releasing on the 1775 the merc is a free float handguard for the ak um solves a bunch in our mind a bunch of problems um we the 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 real target for that product was let's let's bring the heat down. Um, you know, AKs get hot is the yep. the standard thought, and they do. Um, but we've managed to our test was uh, can we fire one round a second for five magazines, so 150 rounds, and still be able to hold on to the thing? And uh, we accomplished that, and it 
we can hold on to it for longer than that. We can get the barrel up so hot that the paint's just, you know, flashing off and there's smoke pouring off the gun and you don't need gloves anymore. So, um, that's been pretty cool, but, um, we also are able to strap whatever kinds of toys you want. We got seven rows M lock, uh, on there and, and Spencer, right. The, the, um, <laughs> resistance to, to new ideas is real. And plus we, uh, we're not for everybody for sure. Like, uh, you do need to do surgery on the gun to get our stuff to work. We've tried to minimize that. Like you can take it, just take a Dremel and cut the, the rear side block and front side block off. But, um, I know a lot of people who say that a Dremel should be a class three device. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in my hands for sure. Yeah. You know, I uh, mean, so, shh, shh, cause they I, will make it one. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, right. I was gonna say it's, uh, Definitely most uses of a Dremel are assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally. Um, but you bring but, up a good point. We were talking accessories is that you know, the AK is all the different manufacturers. Uh, it's fickle, you know, and not all these parts are going to be like a perfect fit on your AK. Mm-hmm. And some of them won't fit at all. And you got to, like Brian said, you got to, you know, either you got to have the, the skills and the tools or you got to take it to a gunsmith. Um, but you know, that's, that's what we're seeing as, as it's, as we're getting more of these accessories, we are seeing that we're getting better fits on a lot of this stuff too. So we're getting more standardization, I guess is the word in the AK, uh, in the AK market, especially with too, the American made stuff. Yeah. Too, well, I wish I could say that. I wish I could agree with you a hundred percent. The, um, the, I, the, the Century um, AKs do not fit a European specification. They made their own. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm not yeah, saying all. Group. I'm saying there. We're I, we're starting to see uh, more of it. If Brian, we're, let me guess. You were sitting there with the pair of calipers one night. Went son of a because that's yeah. what happened to us. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, and and they're not the only ones. Like Arsenal USA will occasionally use on some of their guns, the SLR 107s, they'll use a milled barrel on a stamped receiver. And the dimensions of the rear sight block journal, the the place on the barrel, the precision location on a barrel is called a journal. And the the journal where the rear sight block presses on is 18 and a half millimeters on a milled gun and 17 and a half on a stamped gun. And I had that same as uh, son of a uh, experience uh, <laughs> one day with a, a stamped arsenal and lo and behold, the, the see the trunnions are also a different width. The, the notch where the rear sight block goes is 22, I think on a, on a stamped gun and 24 on a mill that's something like that. And these guys have the, the, they've got obviously a stamped notch because it's a stamped gun, but then a milled barrel diameter. So they took one from one and one from the other and, and made a baby with it. And, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that stuff will make people crazy. So I, I certainly yearn for an American mill spec that we can all start building to, which should just be in my mind, the Russian spec. Like there is one spec, and, right? And it's, it, it didn't need improving in my humble opinion. So, um, It'd be nice if we could all get back to that for sure. But yes, there's a lot of uh, uh, Manticore in particular. I see that they're offering um, compatible parts for a few different variants here, which is impressive. Um, it's and that's it's, what you'll find when you go, guys. When you go shop for a lot of these parts, is that uh, it helps when they designate, you know, 
platforms that it's compatible with and not compatible with. They don't all do that, but a lot of them will do that. You know, they'll let you know, or it'll be a specific part for a certain type of yeah. manufactured AK. One thing I should add in there with, with hand guards, um, always take a look to see if a company offers a stamped and a milled version. So if you have a stamped receiver and a milled receiver, there's a little lug on the back of a handguard. If it's not one that bolts around the, you know, the barrel to support it, but it plugs in like a normal one and the milled handguard and the, the stamped handguard, that lug is a, a slightly different shape on both of them. It's not to say you couldn't make it work, you know, a file or a, a Dremel if you want to commit a crime, but, um, <laughs> and I, I mean a crime to the part, not, you know, legal crime, but, yeah. um, you will find that uh, you will find on AKs, especially the four ends. I've, we've noticed over the years um, that sometimes the front of the four end, you may need to just do a slight pass or two with a file because the front handguard retainer just won't quite get into place or things like that. There's a little variation. Um, I, you know, and I don't know if it's part of it may just be that, the machining tolerances are a little looser on that stuff for, you know, some of the stuff is not considered as critical. It could just be, you know, grandma, whoever in Kerblikistan was drinking on a Friday afternoon and putting the AK together. You know, we joke about that, but um, I think it's just certain things, you know, we think of machining tolerances and how tight things are and it's just not the same uh, on an ak the way things mount up it's it's not designed in quite the same theory of how you would design things to make nice tight perfect fits so and there's nothing wrong with that it just it's the way it is so right and uh there there are lots of like you said there are lots of options out there for you guys midwest industries uh makes a lot of uh different compatible handguards uh, railed, unrailed. Uh, what would you guys say as far as wood? Where would you go recommend people go get their wood furniture for their AKs? Um, if you're going for original wood, I would say the best price for like foreign made or even some American made stuff, uh, Apex gun parts, actually. They sell a lot of surplus nice. AK parts. Actually, okay. If you're looking for wood stock or anything like that, or old pistol grips, assuming you keep you know you keep your 922R count correct, um, if you want to go with original furniture, um, sometimes they'll have blemished sets or you know kind of heavily used sets, and you can get a really nice classic battlefield look. Um, for new production furniture, uh, especially the the polymer stuff, I think KVAR is probably the game in town. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and that's K dash V A R for you yep. guys looking them up. Correct, and that stuff's actually most of it, they do have some USA US made versions of the mm-hmm. stuff, but some of it's Bulgarian or Russian made or, or wherever it's from. Um, and the quality is very good on that. I mean, it's it's on all the Arsenal guns, and I I have it and I recommend it. Um, for Andrew, new made, uh, go ahead. All right, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, Andrew at armsofamerica dot com. Oh also, yeah. Uh, Andrew's great, and um, the customer service there is amazing. He's also got a lot of good surplus stuff, um, and I, I might be getting him in trouble here with how much how many calls he's going to get, but he's very responsive over email, and so people that are looking for something special uh, uh, might get some help from him. But his, his web store is quite good, too. Like, you know, just root around in there. You'll find a lot of good stuff. And, and drop then, that uh, website again. What's it called? Uh, 
armsofamerica.com. Um, and then you, okay, Drew, you get you're going to get inundated. So you were and you were saying <laughs> Midwest. They're the folks at Midwest are real good people too. They're they're good Americans. They're shooters. Um, they make all their stuff in the U.S. Good people, good designs. Can't go wrong there either. Yeah. The, and, uh, and then, of course, Magpul has a matching set of handguards uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Right. To go and uh, honestly, um, it's not a manufacturer, but um, if you're looking for stuff, you know, some of the, the really nice kind of shellacked finish, um, sometimes on Gunbroker, if you look around, you actually can idea. find either original furniture or people. There's people there who refinish the furniture. Uh, gun broker is kind of like the Etsy of gun parts sometimes. And, you know, if you shop <laughs> carefully, be cautious. Cause you, you know, if, especially if you're new to the game, uh, to make sure you know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen some really nice stuff there before that turns up. So. Do you guys recommend Amazon for any gun part? No. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brian, you want to back me up there? <laughs> well, there are some things that I will get there. Um, little stuff I'm happy to get, like some things I'm cheap about. And so personally, like little mounts and stuff, sometimes I'll get there, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, guilty I, pleasure. I, I, yeah, I, I think that, um, Sven is being far more principled than I am and, and I should be agreeing with him a hundred percent. Well, there's some <laughs> reputable people on Amazon, but there's a lot of, a lot of crap on there too. So yeah, you got to buyer it, beware on that. There's, yeah. there's two things to keep in mind about Amazon. Number one, they don't like gun parts. So almost everything ends up getting listed as airsoft. And then the second problem is airsoft parts. <laughs> airsoft parts are not gun parts. That's they true. might work, but they also might break. And you don't want to get an airsoft handguard thinking it's a real handguard, put it on, and then It'll discover melt. that Ilan 6 or urethane melts at 150 degrees <laughs> and now you've got a puddle of plastic in your hand you know it's, uh, you've, you've it's got a shock. you've got a you know, urethane glove a chunk of uh like um m-lock rail or something yeah. things that i'm gonna weld or like where i'm gonna remachine something for a concept i'll get it on amazon but, right. but or- i totally agree don't 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 put non-life life-saving stuff on your life-saving equipment like yes, airsoft it, on, on life-saving equipment is a bad idea. It, it, yeah, it'd be like buying a piece of uh, string, you know, for for a seatbelt. It's you just don't do it. It may look like it would work, but it won't. Um, and you want to find out the hard way. Let's so. let's do this uh, because I want to get into the breaks also. Uh, but I want to take our uh, questions that we've got from our listeners. Um, and I'm going to Facebook first, and I think we we've probably answered a lot of these. Um, <clears throat> Tyler Spence, any other accessories, furniture companies that you guys know of that are making good products, but may not be that well known. You've mentioned a couple of those already. Um, I like the Merc handguard by Occam and I know a Manicore arms makes some cool stuff. Anyone else that you guys know making good AK products. You want to um, drop those names again that you were American and, what was the other one? Yeah, well, Tango Down makes a great grip um, that used to be, well, I'm just going to call the Tango Down <laughs> Battle Grip, AK Battle Grip. Okay. Um, they're expensive. They're really good. Um, Jake Masterson at Modern Defensive Enhancement, you can find him on Facebook, does stippling on those for stupid cheap. And the the Tango Down grip, when it's been stippled, I think is world class. Um, the um, What else do we use on our, the 
the ALG trigger group is fairly light, especially uh, if you're not. Love a, it. Yeah, pretty pretty nice. I I don't think it's for everybody. Uh, it's just right for me. It's what I put on our production guns. The two stage arsenal U.S. made uh, triggers. If you want a heavy pull, I think are amazing. The single stage U.S. Arsenal ones are fine. Mm-hmm. Lots of people like the um, Tapco triggers. I'm not one of them, but a lot of and I but uh, but lots of people that I trust make quality guns and use those Tapcos. Mm-hmm. Rifle you know, Dynamics yeah. has great parts. You guys can go there get some uh, awesome awesome things from Jim. Uh, Heck yeah! What about Krebs? Yeah. You, I'm not real familiar with with Krebs, but I know they've got a, a good reputation in the business. Am I allowed to to say Krebs makes nice stuff if I also admit that I drink with him occasionally? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once a year, but that's, we that's host doable. an event and he's there. And uh, Mark is actually local to us. I saw him, at, ran into him at Shot Show and whatnot. Um, Mark, you know, Krebs is probably not as well known as they should be. They kind of pioneered the industry in some ways of AK upgrades and. Mm-hmm. Um, they still got a great name to those, you know, if you're looking for a good built gun, I, I want to say they were the rifle dynamics before there was rifle dynamics. And that's no offense to Jim Fuller. I, I've met him. I've been to the, the garage party before, and uh, he's really good at what he does. Um, but Mark, Mark was, you know, I'd say he's created some innovation before there was even the thought to innovate the, uh, the AK. Sure. Um, and, well, and I mean, he, like I said, he's kind of one of those names that always comes up when when you're talking about the uh, the AKs. Mesa yeah. Kinetic Research, I know that they've got some some good stuff, and I think they're coming out with their own line of AKs now too. Um, hmm. uh, I saw some posts the other day, so that's something we're going to check into a little bit more. But uh, we've had Vince on the show. Uh, Vince is a great guy; knows his AKs, knows the history. Real smart dude. Um, who else? I mean, we've named Easy. we've named quite a quite a bit right there. So let's move on to the next question. Um, what uh, what are good aftermarket triggers for AKs? Uh, we mentioned ALG, mentioned the Tapco. Is there any other good aftermarket triggers you guys recommend? I honestly, I'd say your best baseline trigger is a Tapco. I mean, honestly, most a great amount of the production guns out there use the Tapco because it's very reasonably priced and it's a very good product um i've not used the alg but i've heard good things and it i think the next step up from like a tapco which is a base level pretty decent trigger it would be alg and i don't know does does geisley make one uh brian maybe you know the answer to that that's alg oh okay that's right i always forget alg is just the the it's his, uh, wife's it? <laughs> it's his wife's company. It's his wife's company. His wife's company. It's 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 Geisley with purple, right? I mean, that's pretty much right. what it is. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. 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 a good way to describe it. Okay. Uh, any experience with the adjustable gas chamber for suppressing AKs? Yeah, I've, I've recently started playing with the KNS piston. Um, it's funny. People who I trust seem to go either way on them. There are people who think they're amazing and other people who, who don't. Um, but the people who think they're amazing are really bright. So it's, it's, it appears to be a stylistic difference. My experience is not deep enough yet to have a, a good opinion. However, I do know that, um, if you ha- already have a tuned gun, 
the stock piston is not the right one for you. You need to call them up and, and make sure you get the right piston. But if you're massively overgassed, the stock one will be fine. But there's a, a cup in the front end of them that's quite quite interesting um, that that if you're overgassed will help a lot at taming it. Um, the tunable blocks are great. Um, Rifle Dynamics has one on, on a house brand. I've heard good things about the Definitive Arms Copper Custom one. I haven't tried one yet, um, but that's based on an older design, um, kind of the Dragonov school of things. Um, yeah, they're, they're righteous. Cool. I'm just going to go with, yeah, what Brian said. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I should say that we haven't talked about cans, but that's sort of a question. That's going to be that. another, that's going to be another episode. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Great. We're, we're going to talk all cans one episode. So that's, that's coming up and, great. and we'll have you on that. If you want to talk about that. Yeah, that'd be great. Or get Mike Pappas on. He knows a lot more about it than I do. I just wanted to say the Wolverine does everything it says it does. Okay. Which, I would, you don't, you don't need to tune your gas on a Wolverine is why I'm going there. Um, I will once again say, yeah, what Brian said, because, uh, the Wolverine, I've not personally shot one. I've never heard a bad thing about that can. Um, other than it's, it's expensive, you know, I mean, I guess all cans are expensive, you know, but it's on the higher end of the price range. Well, what makes them expensive is the stupid, um, the, the NFA. system. Oh, the NFA. Well, having to pay that too. stupid I mean, yeah, tax stamp. Artificial price. I mean, it's like, it's like class three guns. It's the yeah. market, but we could, we could argue that one in a whole nother episode. But right. yeah, the, the, the Wolverine has a lot that goes into the construction. I've seen, you know, the guts of it and, uh, and stuff like that. And there's a reason that it, you know, <laughs> It, it's worth the squeeze. So, all right, let's hit this one. What uh, threading is on the barrel of an AK? Is it the same as most 308 barrels, a half by five eighths? How hard would it be to thread for silencer? Uh, what's a good rail to put um, uh, a, a scope, like a one to four, one to six? Uh, he specifically mentions the ride on. Uh, my favorite accessory, the one I can't afford, the scary silencer. We just kind of hit that a little bit. So, oh, I can threaded. Let's talk about the threaded. Well, from most common to least common would be 14 by one metric left hand. That's what's on most AK 47s. Um, then there is 24 millimeter, which is on most AK 74s and some five, five, six caliber AKs. Uh, the Yugoslavians deciding they had to go their own way on everything did 26.5 millimeter Try finding that in the thread book when you're trying to do <laughs> stuff right. for the specs. Um, I can't even remember if that's left or right at the moment. I want to say it's right-handed. Uh, and for people wondering, left versus right, right-handed is typical thread where righty-tighty, lefty-loosey when you're threading it on. Is that the, facing the barrel or behind the barrel? That's if you were pointing the muzzle at your face. Okay. Uh, you're, you're twisting it clockwise. Um the, so the 14 by one millimeter thread, actually you cl uh, turn counterclockwise, which is why occasionally people go, oh my God, the muzzle device is stuck or, oh my God, this new muzzle device is broken because your inclination is to turn clockwise and it doesn't go that way for various reasons that only the Russians want to disclose. But, um, <laughs> that granny that, sitting in her hut. Yeah, that's right. Uh, beyond that, I think the only things you'd ever see really these days it might see from some older guns is there are some with bare muzzles like no muzzle thread which are ban era guns and then some of those ban era guns were threaded a very very few of them half by 28 i've actually seen a couple of half by 28 threaded uh slant breaks but that that pretty much covers it 
Okay. As for the five eighths, there's a. It's really unfortunate, but the on most AKs, the gas tube journal is 15 millimeters, which is I think like 0. 0.589 or 0. 0.598, and five eighths is 0. 0.625. So five eighths crown is actually bigger than the gas tube. So it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> it, it's the short, the short answer there. So, um, luckily we've for silencers, um, we've got a few different companies like J Mac and dead air that are doing 14, one left, um, QD mounts. And that's what goes on our stock rifles. Okay. Next question is, uh, they want to talk about scope mounts, scope mounts. Don't forget scope mounts. So scope mounts, let's talk scope mounts real quick. RS regulate. That's the other company we probably should have mentioned. Oh earlier. yeah. They do a lot Sarah of stuff. Yeah. So uh, yep. is it Scott over there? Um, he kind of reinvented the market for scope mounts. Everybody thought the Russian system sucked because it wasn't Picatinny and all that. And he, Man, I can't even keep track of how many different mounts he has now, but he's got something for everyone and direct mounts, Picatinny rails. Um, I don't know. What is there beyond that? I guess there's like the Texas weapon systems top covers. Got Midwest <laughs> Industry like has generation some. Five Occam, million Def now. Occam Defense <laughs> has the uh, rear sight tower. Yes, that, that too. So. And then there's uh, Saberworks with their KOP, which is mm -hmm. a. A nicely made product that's guys I always forget about yeah uh, ultimac yep the ultimac that's that's a classic one there and Jim's it still favorite. stands up um we've got our super low picatinny top cover that goes on our alpha rail so you can get some a co-witness on there um which i guess quickly quickly to mention the the issue with the ak is the sights were put really low over the top cover which is great in 1947 when you're trying to keep a low, uh, you know, distance, a short distance between the top of the sights and the bore, because, you know, then you don't have issues, many issues with offset and, and whatnot. Um, not so great when you're trying to wedge optics onto a gun that was designed, you know, 60 years ago. And that's why you see so many options. And a lot of them are basically, in some ways, workarounds. You've either got your choice of there's really three things. There are a few systems that do allow you to see through an optic and still see the irons. Um, our super low Picatinny with some some optics will work that way. Uh, Midwest Industries, I think they have their direct mount um, yep, yep. top covers, which, you know, like with uh, Aimpoint Micro and, and some of the other stuff, I forget which, all the different, all the teeny tiny little optics. <laughs> um there's RS Regulate. I think a lot of their optics mounts are designed that you actually can see the iron sights underneath, just underneath, and you can just barely peek it there, but they're there. Um, and then there's, yeah, like the Saber Works. I think that's, don't they, they actually have like a little iron uh, peep built into the back of that. It, they've so got a few got, different options, but yeah, that's that's one of, right, which, of several. So you, you can, can a witness. Right, yeah. and you know, the, 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 question there is you know how adjustable is it well if your optic broke you know if your optic broke and you're down to irons you're probably having a pretty shit day so um <laughs> you might as you know having any sights is better than no sights mm -hmm. um and then beyond that you've got stuff that kind of blocks the the sights but no big deal you know the texas weapon mounts basically stuff where they've put picatinny on top of the gun and your sights are going to be blocked but you know with modern picatinny 
quick detach right. optics. I don't really think it's for most of us, the 99th percentile, I don't think you're going to be in that big of a rush to take the optic off and jump to the irons to kill whoever and is, you know, doing another, whatever. another question on that would be, um, I've seen it a couple of times and Brian, you and I talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it just between you and I, or we talked about it on the show, but the best place to mount your your optic or your scope because you have the side mounts you've got like the rear sight mounts you've got you know the hand guards nowadays that it's got all the the real estate you've got top covers top. that have rails on them sometimes yeah i mean it uh there's a reason i've i've sunk a pile of money and a bunch of years of my life into the way that i do it um, it's cause I didn't like what everybody else was doing. That said, I'm not for everybody and there are perfectly reasonable solutions out there. Um, but, uh, what I was going for with my, the, the, the things which I hold dear are combat readiness and martial effectiveness in a gun like this. If I want a deer rifle, I'm going to get a deer rifle. You know, this gun is for one particular use. And, uh, when I was first getting into def defensive weapons, I wanted the thing that Somalis and flip-flops were being combat effective with against our guys. Um, mostly because I don't have a lot of training. I don't have time to train a lot. I'm not going to be in combat a lot to get good at combat. I need the thing that is just going to work. And so I wanted a simple solution that was rugged. Um, I also did a lot of training um, down at Tactical Response in Tennessee where it would rain for a solid week and we'd be rolling around in the mud and it would be raining the whole time and you would break a lot of stuff. Yeah. And became very obvious that co-witnessing, um, while it's nice for having the same sort of memory footprint about where you stick your eye, the most common experience that I've had with optics failing is that you get mud on them or they fog. And if you're co-witnessed and you have mud or fog over your optic, you need to be able to get the optic off. I don't care about anything you like you just have to unless it's in a different location um so to me rule one is that you've got to have a qd mount or like 45 degree offsets or something like that if you want to be able to keep using your your weapon um and then it needs to be rugged you got to be able to throw it around and have it not lose zero and um so yeah not too many parts rugged um redundancy those sorts of goals led me to the way that i designed my stuff um there are other ways to skin the cat, and for people that that uh, that want those, you know, I, I I definitely, you know, I've talked about a bunch of companies that are good people that make quality sure. products, and uh, happy for people to find the solution that works best for them. Good good PC answer there. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, Schwinn, you don't have to be PC if friends, you don't want to be. Like like uh, <laughs> Troy at Midwest, Red Stetcher at, at KOP, um, uh, and now Sven here. I want there's enough. There's enough for all of us to eat, and, um, and I think uh, I think specifically what they're what they're asking is, uh, would it be better for me to mount my optic? Let's say they're using a scope. <clears throat> let's do a scope, not a red dot, but a scope. So they're mounting a scope. Would it be better for them to do like an Ultimac mount, or would it be better for them to do a Midwest industry side mount? Well, that's what I'm saying. My 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 products meet that solution, and if I thought there was a better solution right. out there, I've done it. <laughs> So the, my my personal answer for how to mount a scope is that you get a, a Merc. And if you want a red dot, I believe that, that the best solution is the RST. Uh, that said, I'm not God. and You, you can might put a red dot on a Merc too, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Heck yeah. Just get the Merc. You can, yeah. you, can, you can put just about anything you want on the Merc and have it get work. Both. I've got video of us with a 20 power, with iron sights, with a red dot. 
you can throw anything you want and it'll work on there. That said, like, I think it's best because I think X, Y, and Z are the most important things. Sure. If you don't think that X, Y, and Z are the most important things, it's not the best mount for you. Good and answer. So I just want to be explicit about that. That it, it's not just that I'm being PC. No, no, I'm it, just I'm just busting your chops, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a, it's important. To That's me. a good what? answer, Schvan. Okay, cool. Sorry, <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have to catch me up. Sorry, my wife sent me a, a very important text. <laughs> oh, do you need to go? Uh, in a few minutes here, but go ahead. I, I've okay. got a few more minutes. You're so. missing dinner, aren't you? That's the important thing. Uh, <laughs> so no, apparently our neighborhood is completely s- surrounded with police cars without their lights on. So oh, damn. She, she was a little worried. <laughs> tell her to break so. out the AK. Uh, yeah, I just told her, make sure the doors are locked and you were in the best armed house in the neighborhood. So, <laughs> so uh, we were just talking That's about, uh, the question was, um, as far as mounting your scopes or your red dot, what's the best position on the rifle to do that? Just to kind of sum it up, in your opinion. Uh, you know. And do you guys I'm, do you guys have uh, mounts, optic mounts? Yeah, like I said, we've got our super low Picatinny top cover to mount the optic forward and be okay. able to see through the okay. optic gotcha. to see the iron sights. And But at the same token, um, I can't disagree with what Brian said about um, being able to see your iron sights separately from your optics is, is a is a good point. If your optic gets busted in a certain way, you need your you may not be able to remove it, right. you know, or or whatever. It may be too far gone to see the sights, or like he said, it gets covered in mud, and then you're yeah. kind of in trouble. Um, I am kind of a traditionalist who uses iron sights mostly, so. Um, I've never been, to me, the AK is just not, it's not in a place where optics give me enough of an advantage where it over overcomes a lot of the inherent design problems of putting optics on an AK. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's not against Brian and his product. I actually think, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he deleted the rear sight base, and that solves a lot of problems. That's that's the major problem with the AK is the way it's set up there. Yeah, um, we trade parts, Sven. You send me a, a buffer here, and I'll, I'll, I'll send you a part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think we've answered this question, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> and and then that's going to bring us to our, our final thing here, and, and we'll wrap it up. The, uh, the brakes, the muzzle brakes. Um, flash hiders for AK-47s. They had a take it away, Sven. Yeah, yeah actually, you, that's you got, yeah. You guys probably you probably glanced at our web page and went, "Oh yeah, crap, yeah. he knows what he's doing here." Um, actually, AK muzzle devices are where we kind of cut our teeth on our first metal products. Um, we, you know, we, I offer a ton of them, so I'm a little biased here and there. <laughs> um, but you uh, you, but you offer have, a unique uh, perspective, so let's. I. That's okay. why we had you. I will, I will go with that. I will take that compliment and run with it. How's yes. that? So, <laughs> the AK, um, you can go anywhere from a lot of AKs. There's you get your standard traditional AK, and it's got a slant break on it. The slant break is nothing more than a lopped off piece of metal that was ideally designed to control um, a little bit of the muzzle rise that typically happens to the up and right when you're right shouldering it. Uh, on fully automatic. Um, it does something. It works as a really good thread protector. Um, you know, and I think it works a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but the AK was kind of underserved in muzzle devices. And now these days, uh, you know, we kind of, I don't want to say I started the trend, but definitely 
for the 24 millimeter and, and 26 millimeters, we were the first ones doing it. Um, you can get good flash hiders now. You can get good muzzle brakes. And there are a million designs out there now. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a little biased towards our own product for because, you know, I designed it because I wanted something certain out of it. Yeah. Talk um, about the different about varieties that you offer and what, you know, what, what they were designed for. Broadly speaking, you can break muzzle devices into two types. There are flash hiders and there are muzzle brakes or muzzle compensators. You could use either term interchangeably. Um, that is not to say you can't accomplish some of both, but everything is basically you're trying to work from two ends of the spectrum. One is with flash hider, essentially what you're trying to do is a flash is nothing more than the ignition. It's, it's burning, right? It's powder and turning into light. And you also hear the sound when it goes out. It's just waste energy coming out of the gun. And ignition happens for, for a flame um, in a certain envelope of oxygen and fuel. And you've already got the spark to, to do that. So basically all a flash hider is doing is trying to move that that envelope into a spot where the mix of oxygen in the atmosphere and the powder and everything, you're just trying to move it outside of that range where it wants to turn into light, essentially. Uh, and this is maybe a uh, an oversimplification, but you know that's essentially what you're trying to do is make it so that the waste energy cannot turn itself into light mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that turns into a bright flash that, you know, if you've got a shorty AK and you fired it in the day, you're like, oh, wow, that was a really cool orange basketball sized fireball. Um, so all these Which are all the pictures designs, you see on the Internet. That's what people like. to Right. So all these flash hiders, <laughs> essentially what you're doing is you're trying to control the intermix and disturb this disturbance of the air to prevent that flash from happening. Uh, the most effective ones are basically what we call prong style, which we have our Eclipse flash hider. Uh, you know, there's other companies like Smith makes their Vortex. I mean, there's a million designs. They all are slightly different based mm -hmm. on internal mm -hmm. testing or aesthetics, but they all essentially accomplish that. What you're trying to do when you're preventing flash is you're trying to, in our experience, prevent any hard surface that that powder is going to bounce or, you know, that high pressure energy is going to bounce off of, um, because that for whatever reason, and we could probably get into a lot of physics that are even beyond what I understand. That's why I got Brian here. A surface that has a tendency to promote flash and boom, you know, it's, you're redirecting energy and, it turns so into So you're saying the best the out. best to reduce the the flame or the prong shape? shape. Yes, I, I guess my long-winded okay. answer is prong flash hiders typically are get the most effective use. The only trade-off is you may get a ping out of them because essentially what you've built is a tuning fork. Mm -hmm. Um so now, you, do you like three prongs, four prongs, five prongs? Uh, we do three prongs because we found they're the most effective based. We've experimented a lot with slot size, the number, Link. you know, the spacing, the, yeah, there's what we call the twist where there's the, it's not cut on a straight, the slots are not cut straight. They're actually angled a few degrees and we experimented a lot and we found what we thought was the in length too. Yeah. All those factors kind of add into what makes an effective flash hider. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason you'll see some like, say like an, uh, uh, AR-15 flash hiders, you know, the traditional one, It's it's got the slots in it and not the, 
not prongs is the prongs can get hung up on stuff. They do make a ping, which, you know, compared to the sound of a gunshot, nobody's going to hear, but it is a weird thing to experience. Um, so yeah, but basically you, you want to reduce that surface in front that things. So what's a good one for, uh, okay. So you said, so when you coming out the end of the barrel, you got noise and you got, you got, um, flash, flash. Uh, So the noise is the next thing that you're trying to reduce or retard. So what would you, what do you have for that? And what do you recommend Uh, for that? Suppressors. (laughs) Well, obviously suppressors, but we're talking about just the. Yeah, the, the compensators right now. The, um, when it comes to flash and you sound, can, you can redirect the noise. A, Either it goes yeah, out to the sides any, or it goes forward. Right. Essentially, you want the sound to go forward. Now, there are some of the um, what they call linear compensators, uh, what people call the Bulgarian soup can or beer can. These kind of big ones they have cones and all sorts of stuff going on in it. Those can somewhat direct sound and flash forward. It's still there, but it's it's almost like a speaker where it's it's controlling the direction it's heading mm-hmm. is the best way I can describe it. So there there are those. We don't make anything like that in particular for the AKs, um, but they do exist. Right. And what would be a good uh, compromise between the two? A good flash outer that gives you well, least uh, flash there, and least sound. There's another parameter that that. Uh, Sven probably is is going to want to go over here, and that's that's uh, you know compensating for the for the uh, the Motor recoil. Rise. Yes. That's well, yeah. The the real tra- the real trade off, as I understand it, between comps and and flash hiders is is those two things that you don't get to have. You get to yeah, trade that off. Don't talk about that, Sven. Yeah, I got a little. As I said, there's two two directions you can go when designing a muzzle device, and the one is you can either hide the flash. And or reduce not the rise. make the sound as noticeable to the shooter. You know, basically, you're you're trying to prevent any obstructions in front that that may reflect off of, and and come back. The other end of the spectrum is a um, a muzzle breaker or compensator, and basically, what you're doing is you're creating a flat surface that that high pressure gas is hitting, and it's actually through Newton's Newton's third law. As that hits it, if you almost imagine somebody hitting a flat surface. With a hammer, it's pulling it forward, you know, or it's, it's pushing it away from you. You're using that high-pressure gas to hit those surfaces and actually pull the gun forward to kind of counteract it. That's the easiest way to explain it. Now, you can get into little holes, you know, to vent the gas in different directions. Uh, we make a compensator called the night break where we've got a series of holes on the top and somewhat to the sides, and it's restricted at the front with an interior surface. Kind of like thrusters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly what it is. You're yeah. you're basically making uh, jet thrusters. You're, to, yeah, you're directing the thrust to right. push your and by carefully balancing the, the, you know, the, the number of holes and the positions and these surfaces, you basically can prevent the muzzle from rising. You can pull. You can reduce the felt recoil because it's essentially pulling the gun forward just a little bit against the recoil backwards. Um, but the offside to that is anytime high pressure air is ramming into these surfaces it reflects off it and it typically comes back at the shooter so that's why when you have a a break like some of these crazy tank style breaks and things you're actually hearing that sound being reflected the sound's there no matter what it's just coming back at you and it's much more noticeable or the poor bastard next to you in the next bay over who's now getting a whole earful of that (laughs) and the ak typically i mean it doesn't have a lot of 
of recoil muzzle rise to begin with, right? Not the round no, itself. Certainly not on semi-auto. I think the 762 caliber guns have the most, you know, a 223 or sorry, 556, whatever you want to call it, or five, the 545 Russian caliber. Yeah. They're very manageable. Um, so you guys make a full line of, of, uh, devices, muzzle devices that people can check out. Brian, what, uh, in your experience, uh, as far as the flash or, uh, the muzzle rise, what, uh, what have you found to be effective? You know, I weigh about 260 pounds and I'm 64. <laughs> and, uh, so for me, but before I really started talking with other people, I thought that, that brakes were, were for 90 pound females and um we're five foot six tall dudes who design yeah, exactly. parts too but you know i'm just no, saying no. that that's <laughs> what i'm that's where i'm going is that like the ak does not push me around at all period the end and so um i don't need a a break and so i use a flash hider um and the the brakes um but my wife is about 110 pounds and she really likes a break and smaller statured people that I know it matters. Um, so if you're smaller in stature, um, or you're, you're, you know, maybe you've got a shoulder or collarbone sensitivity. Maybe you're a little more thin skinned, quite literally there. Like maybe your, your, your clavicle is shaped a little differently where you're getting beat up more. Um, the, the break is probably a much better fit for you. One thing you want to be conscious of is that if you're in classes or shooting with other people, the concussion off to the sides with certain breaks, and I haven't shot the Manicore ones, as I say, I don't really know breaks very well. Um, the, the concussion off to the side can be literally damaging over a, over a day of shooting with other people. You can give people, you can kind of ring other people's bell if, if they're real close mm -hmm. to you. So if you're in a class, you want to be real mindful as to what that, what that break is doing. If it's taking out all of the piss out of the recoil, chances are the concussion off to the sides is pretty, pretty rude. That we energy felt, has to go somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And no, it's just physics. Um, our guns, we sell an option. Um, they're all suppressor ready. Um, but we sell a, a triple prong flash hider as a default and a, um, Oh, help me out of J Mac. Uh, QD mount okay. for the break if you want that. Um, and um, although, okay. yeah, Sven, I got to introduce you to Mike Pappas to see if you guys could do a dead air, dead air compatible break. Done. Fun. Okay. <laughs> Done. There we go. Um, I'm telling you, the best collabs happen on Talking Lead. Yeah. So, all Brian, right. Find me on Facebook. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. So, uh, other than. Um, I mean, grips are grips. I don't really think we need to get into grips. Uh, whether you like the rubber or you like the, you know, the the polymer, hard plastic kind of they're, stuff. They're incredibly personal to your hand. Whatever feels good in your hand, just go with it. There's right really no other way to put it. So I mean, I found that I pretty much I like I like what I like on my AR on my AK. The same kind of grips, mm -hmm. you know, just just comfortable that way. I like ergo. I'm, I'm preference. I'm preferential to ergo grips. But that's me. You know, that's just me. So, all right. Uh, anything else that you guys, accessory-wise, you think we need to, to throw out there? I think we pretty much covered the the main items there. I mean, we can get into parts oh, oh. and stuff like that, but as far as accessories go. Honestly, other than maybe a good sling, you know, and it, that slings are a personal thing, too, point, where, yeah. uh, you know, I always find, honestly, 
unless you really need a sling for a class or, or for specific use, I actually find they're more of a nuisance getting in the way of the magazine and, you know, all this, the controls, but they're, yeah, they're, they're required equipment for a class and, and, um, for sure. Need a swing. Need a swing. The holster yeah. of, of the gun world. And so they are how you are going to holster your rifle if you need to. Um, so yeah, the, the school of, of gun handling I follow is that the sling comes off if you perceive a threat. Um, but you know, sling coming back on is, is a big deal. If you need to move around a house or something, um, the, uh, my personal favorites are SOE tactical. The blue force ones are perfectly adequate. Yep. Uh, the Magpul ones are good. Haley's got some Haley's. I need to try out. It looks really nice. His single point. It's like a harness thing. Mm -hmm. It looks really cool. Yeah. And as far as attaching the slings on AKs, how would you go about? Because some of them don't have the the sling attachments. You can take the um, the QD. If we're talking about a Woodstock, you can take the um, QD mounts, like an M lock QD mount, ditch the um, the M lock T nuts, and screw that straight into the Woodstock right where. Oh, it cool. The, yeah, it's a real nice little trick, and it'll put it right where you need to for a I, single point attachment. Obviously, I've never heard of that, and that is genius. So, yeah, I'd like to say I came up with it, but you can do that also. You can weld it on. I think Jim Fuller might have showed me this. You can take that same device and weld it onto the base of a triangle stock. Manticore ought to, ought to offer a triangle actually with that your billet triangle. There you go. Love to see you add that right in that corner. <laughs> um, Good point. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so um, Schwell, we, are you still with us, buddy? Absolutely, I'm okay. learning. I'm yeah. getting my learn on. You know, this is what this. I, this I series am too, is and about. I've just been sitting here listening the whole time. So I mean, this has been <laughs> yeah. this has been great. Um, I don't have any other accessories that I think we need, and I think we've got most of our questions answered uh, from our listeners. Do you have anything else to add, Schwell? No, sir. Not no. I think I'm sitting here breaking down every inch of the AK. I have one hanging up on my wall here. <laughs> And I'm looking at it thinking they've covered everything minus the fire select or the fire control. That's about right. the only thing we didn't cover, and that's personal preference. It's personal you know, preference. So. And then you can get into sights, too. I mean, there's different kind of front post sights that you can Sight. do. There's rear, uh, the rear, what's the flip-up thing called? Help me out. The rear sight. Oh, the rear notch. The rear leaf. Leaf, the, thank the you. Engine. Yes. Yeah. The rear leaf. Yeah. You know, There's different options that you can go with that, too, but. I think we'll get into that when we talk more scopes and get into optics. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's time. I think everybody's ready. Let's let's give away an AK, guys. What do you think? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. No, let's not give away any more AKs. I want to keep them. <laughs> you want to keep the remaining five? Let's split them up between you and me, man. Yeah, well, is it. willing to test fire each and every one of them for as long as it takes. <laughs> So uh, I think we're going with are we going with another help up this week or is this a sporter? I can't remember what uh, CJ uh, told us. Okay, I help up. All right. So this is for another Pioneer Arms Corps help up AK forty seven, and uh, we've got uh, a lot of participation from you guys. I mean, I appreciate everything that you leadheads are doing. You're out there sharing the show. Uh, you're engaging with us on social media. And I really appreciate it. And you guys are awesome. Uh, Big Papa, 94, John Adams, 3, Tandem Dooley, Tyler S, 118, Disruptive Tactics, Inc., 
Austin Whalen. Got a new one on on Twitter. I haven't been really following Twitter, so I got on Twitter. And a, a dude named Nacho. Love the name, Nacho, on Twitter. And how did you get that and it not already be taken? Uh, Jason Farmer. We've got uh, Bill Rozeski, Bill Adams, Nuffy Wrangle. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So, of those people that I mentioned there, there's 11 of you. And we're going to randomize the numbers 1 through 11. And I'm going to tell you who's what. So, Big Papa's 1. John Adams is 2. Tandem Dooley is 3. Tyler S. 118 is 4. Disruptive Tactic Inks, you're 5. Austin Whalen, 6. Nacho is 7. Jason Farmer is 8. Jacob Rozeski is 9. Bill Adams is 10. And Nuffy Wrangle is 11. So it's between you 11 this week. Uh, and congratulations to J- uh, Jerry Black from last week. He was our winner. He won the Sporter. Um, so let's do this. We're going to randomize. And Swell's got some kind of program he's using. I don't know what he's using. And uh, we're going to pick uh, between 1 and 11. Swell, you have the honor, sir. Okay, the number that we came up with or that we got from the randomizer is the number six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Austin Whalen, you are the winner. And Austin, I've got to give you props because you have been killing it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So thank you. And that's something that I've been watching, you know, like I said here recently is Twitter. I want to see more activity on Twitter. If you guys have an Instagram account, uh, and you've got a, a Twitter account, start sharing our stuff on Twitter also. I mean, I know I don't do a lot on there, but, uh, I mean, you can see it, it just got Austin entered into this, and uh, he won. So congratulations, Austin. Send us your info. I will get you in touch with Schwell, and Schwell will get you a... Schwell, what are you going to get him? I'm sorry. I'm I'm talking, but my mic is actually muted, so I'm Tell sorry. Tell Pegs to leave you alone. <laughs> I, I, no, I was actually answering your question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why does he keep talking over me? Like, Shut up, Marty, you asshole. <laughs> well, you know, congrats, and uh, Pioneer Arms looks forward to sending out that help up. It is a pistol, 762 by 39 caliber gun, and uh, we look forward to getting that out to you. Is this going to be the new... With the dots, uh, the holes in the back, or is it going to be the... Yes, this okay. is the, the the new design for new 2019. Design. There you go. This one will, will be, this is what we will be sending out from now on. And I think a few people will be getting those from January and December as well. A couple of the previous uh, winners mm-hmm. as well? Okay, yeah, because they're still yes, winning winners. Uh, and then you go to Manicore Arms and you can get that adapter and you can put your brace on that mofo. Or you can SBR it if you want to. That's completely up to you. So, um, Sven, Brian, thank you guys so much for taking the time. Give uh, give everybody your social medias, your websites, any specials you've got going on, any discounts you want to offer our listeners are always appreciated and welcome. So, Sven, we'll start with you. Our website is manticorearms.com. Uh, we've got a full web store with all our products on there, not just AK stuff, but we also sell a lot of bullpup stuff, uh, some AR4Ns, a uh, little bit of everything for everybody, I guess you'd say. Um, we are on Facebook. You can find us just searching for Manicore Arms. We're on Instagram. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> you I are. I, I don't I, handle that part of the company. So You are um, on Instagram. 
And uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at info at manicorearms.com. Uh, if you ever got questions about our products, um, anything like that, just let us know. We're very ha happy to help. And, uh, you know, we don't have a coupon set up yet, but why don't we set up one for Talking Lead? So Sweet. we'll just do uh, Talking Lead 10, uh, Talking Lead 10, and that'll get you a 10% off. I'll write myself a note now. That'll be great because this, tonight, this won't go out till the 15th, so you got time. <laughs> okay, so I'll write a note. By the 15th, i got to do that. Very um, good. So you guys make sure you go and 10 off just for listening. 10% so. and let Sven uh, know how much you appreciate him being on and taking the time to, to join us. And uh, Brian, Occam Defense. Uh, we're, we're at uh, OccamDefense.com. And I am on Instagram at Occam Defense Solutions. We are also on Facebook. I have um, our engineers monitor the Facebook channel. I occasionally hop on there too. But if you uh, if you interact with the Instagram page, you are interacting with me. Um, we have the uh, still taking pre-orders on the 1775. Those will be shipping out. The, the orders that come in now are going to be coming in and shipping out in probably early July. Let's do a coupon code LED, L-E-A-D, all uppercase, for 50 bucks off Sweet. the 1775. Those are sitting at 1445 right now, so that'll give you the old price of 1395. Nice. Very good. Wow. Thank you, you for doing that. You guys are great. That, that is amazing. So you guys, go show them love on all the social medias, uh, their websites, and then hit them up on the email if you got like specific questions you want them to answer. Um, they'll do it. And of course we'll have you guys back on again, uh, another episode. Thank you so much for taking the time. Schwell, buddy, I'm glad you made it for another episode. episode. I'm not, I'm not missing any more episodes, folks. I'm here. You heard it. <laughs> I am he not may, missing any more episodes. He may be muted, but he's here. He's right. here. I'm <laughs> not missing anymore. I will be here, folks. If you come to this show just to hear my beautiful voice, you will not be disappointed here on out. How about that? Well, we have our biggest uh, downloads when you're on, so you gotta you gotta keep keep coming. If he doesn't show up, guys, you I mean you heard him say he's gonna be here. He owes you an AK. Chirp. Sure. Why, sure. why are you trying to <laughs> see? Then you, you're trying to empty my safe. We've got to put this on CJ somehow. Uh. Everybody who's waiting for an AK is not because Pioneer hasn't sent them. It's because they made the mistake of putting them in my hands first. So I have a, <laughs> a, a safe full of Pioneer Arms AKs right now on their way to an FFL near you. And of course, Pioneer Arms uh, website, you guys go to pioneer pac.com. Check out the uh, the AKs, the Hellpup, the Sporter. Uh, I mean, they've even got the. Uh, they still doing the. What are they called? Um, I get the P's, the PPS forty threes and the PM sixty threes. Yes, the PPS forty three for sure. The PM sixty three. I know they exist. I hear so much about them. I've seen them, but I have not been eyes on with those yet, as of yet. And I, once I see one here in Florida. You better believe that it is going in the safe with the rest of the AKs that I've collected. Well, I got to shoot one when I was in Poland, and they are sweet shooters. The 9 by 18 millimeter submachine guns, they were beautiful to shoot. Absolutely love them. So you guys go show Pioneer Arms Corps some love as well. And uh, real quick, i got to ask you this, Well, I made a post the other day. Uh, they've got a 1911 and a 9 millimeter. Is that the first you've heard? No, 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 it's not the first I've heard. Okay. But again, it's another one of those sight unseen type of 
is this a real is this a rumor is um, no they got know, them are they coming to america that's what that, we that's, want to know. That, that's my yeah. question are they actually going to make the, the trip over and coming uh, to america i think I think sometimes CJ keeps things away from me so that I keep them away from so so that it doesn't get out. And, I got you. I got you. you so, know, so. so something you guys also need to check out from Pioneer Arms Corps. Uh, like I said, I posted it on uh, social media. And then they have also been working on some AR. So lots of stuff that that are rumored that maybe we'll get, uh, we'll get the inside skinny on. We'll work on that for you uh, AK heads between now and the next episode, which will be part nine. Four more AKs to give away, so stay tuned. Everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of the AK Corner presented by Pioneer Arms Corps and the Talking Lead Podcast.